Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. As some of you know, our, on our near-death experience podcast during the month of July, I've been exploring religion's traditional notions of punishment for our sins after we die. I began with Plato's near-death experience story, written about 400 BCE. How did that story differ from those of today, and what did the differences tell us about punishment for our sins? On the following week's show, we reviewed two so-called books of the dead. The first from the Egyptians as early as 2500 BCE, and then a comparison of that with the Buddhist Tibetan Book of the Dead, dating from about the 8th century CE. The older Egyptian account included an idea we find uh, much later in Islam, the heart gets weighed against the weight of a feather, and if our bad deeds weigh too heavily, we are punished for them. In the Tibetan Book of the Dead, we find the spiritual psychology of a journey of the departed through what they call the bardo, which sounds something like an extended version of the NDE's tunnel. At first, we get a brief glimpse of the light of salvation, but missing that, we go through a passage where we are both tempted and terrified on our way to rebirth. The remarkable thing is, the entire journey, all those experiences of the light, the desire, and the fear, Buddhists tell us, are generated entirely by our soul itself. What your ego desires and what it fears projects temptations and monsters in the bardo, and how you react to them can have karmic impacts on your next life. Then in last week's show, we devoted to, uh, we devoted to some NDEers' experience as punishment in advance of death, uh, what we call distressing near-death experiences. Such DNDEs often portray isolation from heaven, and how frightening it is to be cut off from the love of God. Now, this week's program is meant to summarize what this July Judgment series seems to show, and I'll list the highlights for you here in a minute. But first, why did I take this project on? Well, a while back, I had a dream that messages from heaven were breaking through on many levels in many communities, and it's our job to amplify them. The messages may speak differently, but they all speak the universal truth of God's love and concern for us. I had another insight from this dream as well concerning the structure of God's hand in the world. There's an interfaith component at work here with Christianity being the love of God, Islam being the judgment of God, and Judaism being the people of God. That is not to say that all people aren't intrinsically the same, but that communities can serve as different parts of God's body with different emphasis and focus. The way to rectify the conflicts between Islam, Christianity, and Judaism is not to war over whether one is truer than the other, but recognize they've been given overlapping functions. The Jews, the people of God, embody the story of God's evolving us into workable clay. Christians reveal the work of God's grace, the expression of his love, and the salvation that love can bring to the world generally. The Islamic faith is the rod of judgment, 
God's impulse to cleanse a corrupt and self-indulgent world from greed and cruelty and sin so that we may pass judgment. And Buddhism provides insight into the psychology of our relationship with the I am. These are major expressions of God's will in the world. Along with that or within it are other expressions of faith, of course, earth-based religions scorned up till now as being primitive, during which time our mainline faiths were bringing the earth to rack and ruin. Today we are learning from those uh, whose worship focuses on the creation. We turn to them as a source for herbal remedies, for our pollution-inflicted diseases, and to learn how to restore the earth garden we've corrupted. But even with all our failings, it seems there has been an evolution in understanding in our relationship with God that is moving us up on the scale from fear to love. I promised to summarize my last three weeks of programs on judgment, so here goes. Like different faiths, different periods in history reflect different notions of what our after-death judgment might be. Ancient Egypt, very authoritarian, saw us at the mercy of the gods. The relationship was rather like master and slave, but sinful humans could sometimes persuade the gods with prayers and magic incantations to allow us to reincarnate. In Plato's Republic, the only eternal punishment seemed to land on power-hungry tyrants who abused and killed their subjects. Most ordinary people were rewarded or punished for a while, but were then obliged to reincarnate. Plato's advice was to avoid choosing a life of power and wealth. Choose instead the middle path and live a life of balance and goodness to gain rewards between lives. The Tibetan Book of the Dead spoke of a journey through the bardo, loaded with possible salvation, temptations, and fearful monsters, all of the soul's own making. Our opportunity for heaven, or reincarnation into a balanced life, or a dreadful one, depends on the maturity of our self-awareness and our understanding of reality, all of it generated from our karmically evolved soul psychology. And finally, distressing near-death experiences are not a preview of being sentenced to hell, but a revealing lesson on how to better understand the matrix reality of life on Earth and our role in it. Now, most of our listeners don't want to know about judgment, but they do want to know what heaven is like. And Jesus' disciples were the same. Now, I've interviewed thousands of NDEers over the years, but I've never heard even one say that heaven was like a mustard seed. Yet that's how Jesus described it in a parable from this Sunday's gospel reading from Matthew 13, 31 through 33 and 44 through 52. It goes, he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So what does this parable mean? I looked through some church fathers, but they didn't have much to say. Uh, my co-pastor wife, Charlene, pointed out the DNA of the seed means the tree is already there, fully contained in the seed. Just as God, the I am, spoke the vast universe into being from a tiny speck, 
a true expression of love that science calls the Big Bang, God's love within the seed grows to full bloom and makes a home for flights of birds, just as heaven provides a landing place for angels and for souls. One church father I read thought Jesus was speaking of himself as the mustard seed. His death was the planting and the resurrection, the growth of God's love in our hearts and the resulting heaven. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. No endy ears told me heaven is like yeast. But this parable says to me, the kingdom of heaven is already available within us, leavening the human flower by inspiring our potential love. It is infused through us by what we call Holy Spirit. It's not a physical ingredient, but a spiritual condition enabling love to grow in our hearts as long as we are willing. But people often misinterpret that spiritual leavening and translate it into the physical. Instead of Feeding our neighbors with love, we put our energy into building cathedrals and mosques. Our impulse to serve God becomes rules about what to eat, what to wear, how to behave. When already infused through us is the presence of heaven, urging our souls to love God and love one another. NDEers do often compare the kingdom of heaven to the material things we value, streets of gold and pearly gates, for example. So this comparison is easier to understand. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now I have actually heard ears talk of a pearl-like glow from the heaven they have seen, of pearly gates and pearly walls. But this parable is not about the construction of heaven. It's about the radiance of God's love. Once you've experienced it, you will sacrifice everything you have to possess it. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. When it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus spoke this to Galilee fishermen, but it reminds me of the Twilight Zone episode where the aliens arrive on Earth with a book titled To Serve Mankind. It turns out that book was a cookbook. So we're the fish of every kind, and some are good for nourishment and some are bad. Not as edible and inedible, but as compatible with love. Like the Egyptian book of the dead expresses, it has to do with a measure of our hearts, of our capacity to meld our love with God's. Jesus asked them, have you understood all this? And they answered, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. What is new and what is old, I think, refers to the old and new laws, which the new law, of course, uh, being love God and love one another. 
that the new replaces the old was told to Israel long before Jesus. As early as Isaiah 43, 19, God tells Israel, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. As Paul writes in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So the new law is what matters. Remember, the new law is this, love God and love one another. That's the power driving the mustard seed, the yeast that raises the bread, the treasure, the pearl of our inmost desire, and the fish the angels are looking to keep, those who celebrate in and share God's love with others. But now, to quote from T.S. Eliot's The Hollow Men, between the idea and the reality, between the motion and the act, falls the shadow. So here's a shadow comment from a listener named Angie that I got this week in response to these shows on judgment. Angie writes, I think we are ignoring the elephant in the room in a way. Perhaps we need to recognize our agency within the horrors of what we as humans inflict on one another and not contract it out to God's will one way or another. Also, perhaps we need to accept that life on earth contains a lot of suffering. Full stop. There's much we don't understand, so much deliberate cruelty, oppression, greed, lust for power and dominance. It seems there are a lot of contrasts here in this reality because there's also tenderness and compassion, kindness, caring, understanding. It's hard to handle knowing we are on such a spectrum. What hope have we in understanding that we are all one when we still split ourselves off from our own shadow natures because we want to be better than that or believe that we are? Meanwhile, we scratch away at the surface of consciousness, intrigued. And perhaps no matter our cleverness as a species, despite breakthroughs in understanding, mystery will always remain at the heart of human existence. That's where Angie's comment ends. Well, here's the problem. The old law of fear can still dominate our thinking and can drown us in anger and discouragement. The answer is to keep our eyes on the new law of love. Jesus was born into the 613 laws of the Hebrew Bible and fulfilled them with one word, love. Interestingly, the new teaching Jesus brought to Judaism has manifested in Buddhism as well. Consider the Buddha's rules for living, known as the Eightfold Path. They go right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, 
and right concentration. Yet Buddha's spokesman today, the Dalai Lama, sums up that duty in one word, compassion. Two men with two words, love and compassion, have the answer to the world's problems, and yet we go on abusing and avoiding the truth. That's the shadow my listeners write me about, about neighbors divided against neighbors, countries against countries, about humanity divided against the natural balance of the living earth itself. But look, God has not given up on us. Not yet, he hasn't. The fact is, practicing love can repair the evil we do on earth, the evil we witness during our life review on the other side. It can be repaired. I repeat, God has not given up on us. And adds to Jesus' heaven is like parables with NDEs by the thousands every day. Well, here's one NDEer, Emily Spear, who found out that the kingdom of heaven is like a pool of peace. Several days after the birth of her twins, Emily Spear suffered internal bleeding that put her back in the hospital. The doctors didn't know how to stop it, and everything started turning white. The nurse said they wouldn't lose her, but she drifted off. And here is Emily's story as told by Emily herself. I started seeing like a silver string from each person's head, and it went upward. I couldn't see where it went to, but I did see that some of the strings were more vibrant than others, and they had a pulsation to it. And so in some ways, I was just curious about that string and started to lift up out of my body at that moment. I felt very lighted. And um, I ended up landing into a little space. It was like a movie theater. And I was just sitting there watching a movie. And I didn't realize that that movie, I was the star, (laughs) the star (laughs) actress of this movie. And um, it was a life review. I saw my family. I saw my friends. I saw strangers. And all these interactions in which I was partaking in. And what I was being shown was like a subconscious underlay of my life. And I could see how a simple smile to a stranger actually changed the direction of their life. And then I also saw other times when I wasn't as conscious and I may have had said something hurtful, that that actually, I could feel that. I could feel that other person's pain. And so I was being shown what my life was really all about. And I wanted to learn more. At the end of that, I really wanted to know how to love better. I just felt like I could have done better. You know, like, oh man, if I had known that then, I wouldn't have done that. And at that moment, as I was just being you know, curious about what is love and how can you love more, all of a sudden, it was like I was shifted and moved over into this other space. And it was like I was landing on a bank of, of a lake, on the edge of the lake. And I had a sense, um, I had a presence about me. But really what I felt like was like a cloud. It's almost like you could put your hand through my body, but it was very iridescent. It was very light. 
And this is where my core experience started to happen was at the bank of the pool. And were there any other beings around at this point? I didn't feel any other beings, but what I did feel was this enormous love, this amazing all encompassing presence around me, but I didn't see um, any other images of, of people that I may have known or recalled. It was much broader than that. And when I was at the, when I was sitting at the bank, I was just being like a curious kid. And I just said, oh, hello, what else am I going to do? <laughs> I'm sitting here at this bank. And when I said hello, it was like these little ripples came out of the pool. And it came up and met my hello. And they merged together. And then dissolved back into this pool. And that had my curiosity going as well. I had never seen that. But actually, it was almost like my thoughts had energy with them. And so feeling kind of playful at that moment, I actually put out a thought of playfulness and joy and energy like dancing. And so I could see my energy come out towards that pool. And the pool actually came up in this very joyful manner and started to dance with my energy thought with me. And they were very similar. It was almost like a mirror image of each other. And it, they merged together and then dissolved gently back into this pool of peace. And then there was this wave, like an air, like a little breeze that came right through my, my, my um, soft body of just complete joy. I had never experienced that amount of joy. It was unmeasurable and just felt complete and totally happy. And I thought, well, geez, maybe I'm in heaven. And isn't this a wonderful place to be? But then there was a part of me that said, oh, goodness, if I'm in heaven, am I sitting with God? Is God in this pool of peace? And then there was this little part of me that's like, oh, I better be a good girl, right? Got to show my best in front of God. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I had those thoughts, but then at the same time, I also felt incredibly safe. I was safe and I felt innocent, like a childlike innocence came over me, like I could do no wrong, that there was no, no one judging me here as far as what's right or wrong or good or bad. And so I was really curious about that, if that was really true. Is it true that there is no judgment here? And so, kind of being a little testy, I, was, I must have been like this when I was a kid, I decided to put something in the pool of peace that mm, maybe wasn't so pretty. So I collected some memories of my childhood where I would have felt some shame, maybe a part of me that I didn't want to necessarily sh want to show other people. And so I kind of like crawled to the edge of the pool and I dropped that in to the pool of peace and I kind of came back and I sat down with my head down, right? Because, you know, I was kind of feeling that shame and the embarrassment. Like here I am with God and I'm going to give God shame. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what happened was, it was like this gentle breeze came up to me and lifted my head up so I could actually see what was going to happen. And I felt fine. I felt like this was a good friend that said, oh, it's okay, you're going to be fine. And so when I was watching what the Pool of Peace was going to do is it came up, out, and it met every aspect of that shame in the most gentle, kind, eloquent kind of way. It was just held with the deepest love and such grace. And every little piece of that was enveloped and dissolved together in one and then disappeared into this pool of peace. And there was absolute stillness. And when after I watched that, it was like this breeze came through me and it was like lifting, lifting me up. Like all those burdens were just suddenly dropped and gone. And I could feel my body, this airy body getting lighter and lighter. And I was just in awe. I never felt that kind of acceptance and love before that I could basically do no wrong. And so I was curious about this, right? This is like unconditional love I'm witnessing and experiencing. And so I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to kind of like release it all, release all suffering, anything and everything that may have brought me down in my life. And so at that moment, I just thought I'd just give it all, everything, you know, whether that was regret or happiness, or hopefulness, or any sort of worthlessness, I just started to just pour it out. And what happened was, over time, is all of that was met in union, in oneness, and then dissolved. And it was like this, this love was just growing and growing and expanding. And at one moment, I said, okay, there's one thing left. And dare I do it, do I actually put what I felt in that moment, the darkest thing I could ever put in there? I said, what if I put anger and rage in there and all of its jagged edges? And I did. I said, well, why not? Let's put it all in there. And when I stood there and watched that, the pool just jetted right up and met with its with all of its jagged edges, met that and met it completely. And it worked quickly through that and that every single crevasse and every single edge, every little bit of bitterness was met with this love. And it was like a complete puzzle piece fitting together. It was Once that met everything, it dissolved right back into the pool of peace. And there was absolute stillness. Now, in this moment, I had nothing left. All I felt was this enormous union with this absolute divine love. There was nothing that this pool could not handle. And when I was sitting there and I felt so humbled and so grateful to have had this experience, I heard this very loud voice. It was like a vibration that came down booming from above and said, this is divine love. 
And it was like a finger went right through my forehead between my eyes in the Ajna Center. And it like lit up this white star and just started flooding all flooding my mind with all these transmissions about divine love and how that can be expressed. And it was like an aspect of remembrance, Lee. It wasn't like I, I, it wasn't something I, it's like I didn't know, but I did know. It was like awakening a memory of what love is really all about. And at that moment, I was just completely disappearing. I'm all in just bathing in this love. Then out of the blue, my little Cora see her face right in front of me. And she goes, mom, mom, remember (laughs) you're supposed to be my parent. (laughs) (laughs) You made a promise to me. Yes, I did. And I looked at her sweet face and I knew I needed to come back. So it was her love that came to get me, and it was my love for her that then brought me back. And at this point, I could see my body. I was hovering over my bed, and I saw Jesus next to our nurse, Tercy, who was praying. And Jesus asked me, do you want to come back to your body? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, okay. Well, here's the thing. You need to trust and take what you've learned from the pool of peace and bring that forward to all the people that you touch. And I said, yes, I promise. Now, at that point, it took enormous leap of trust because when I was going back into my body, it was very dark. I couldn't see anything. I didn't know where I was going, but I could hear Tercy's voice. And it was her voice that brought me back to my body because she kept saying, I'm with you. Can you hear me? Come back. And so once I was able to somehow find my body and I was back in my body, I I opened my eyes and there she was. Now, you said um, as you were floating above your physical body, you could see those threads of light on the tops of the heads of the doctors and nurses again. Mm. And that, that, that those threads led to the pool of peace. Yes, they did. Could How did you know that? Could you still see the pool? I could. Um, it was from a different angle. Instead of being at the, the edge of the, pe- of the pool of peace, I could see it and I could see the thread, the connection to it. And so what I could see was it, um, we have the ability to connect to that divine entity, even in a human body, mm. through this silver cord. Okay, it's the end of our July Judgment Month. So what can we conclude? Are we judged for our sins by heavenly beings, as Plato's NDE suggests? Are our hearts uh, weighed against the cosmic feather of goodness, as the Egyptian Book of the Dead proclaims? Or are we our own judge, judging ourselves through a Tibetan bardo of mirrors that reflects our own desires, fears, and spiritually mature determination of our next life's challenges? Do the details of our life on earth determine our fate, 
Or is this life simply an imaginary matrix school for learning compassion? And is it fair? Are we all given an equal chance for figuring things out by living multiple lives? Or do some of us get helping, a helping hand through NDEs to better understand what it's all about? Or perhaps is our individuality a figment of imagination as well? And do we all return to the one universal light to share the stories of our adventures? My answer to all these questions is yes. It's all possible because all configurations of experience, good and bad, are possible. It's where you decide to put your attention. Where we land on the scale rising from fear to love makes all things possible and determines where we already are in the timeless reality. Our one free will choice in life is to love God and love one another, or not. The degree to which we learn to practice love uh, determines it all. My suggestion is to meditate on Emily's pool of peace and go from there. If you'd like to hear Emily Spears' complete story in her interview on our show, go to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, YouTube, and look for the show date of March 29th, 2021. Well, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying once again, thanks for listening.